Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and welcome to Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, episode 39. In our first segment, Neil, Scott, and Patrick discuss games that they feel will one day be considered classics in the distant future. Uh, After that, Scott and Josh Max discuss the recently released crossover between Pokemon and Nobunaga's ambition, Pokemon Conquest. Finally, myself, Andy, and Zach answer some recently received listener mail loaded with fresh opinions on Nintendo's recent showing at E3. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Neil Ronahan. Hi! And Patrick Barnett. Hey, hey. <laughs> and um, today we are going to be talking about eventual classic games. Or at least um, our opinion. Yes. What they might be. Yes, uh, a little background on this. I was playing Donkey Kong Country Returns uh, over the weekend with my girlfriend, and during some sort of loading screen at some point, she kind of turned to me and said, what do you think like will end up being classic games right now that like 15 years from now we'll be playing, kind of like how we play Super Nintendo games now? And I thought, that's a really good question. So I invited Neil on and Patrick, and we've come up with a list of some games um, across all platforms, not just Nintendo platforms, um, from this generation that we think will stand the test of time. And in 10 or 15 years, you'll boot up to kind of show people uh, their influence on games today, or I don't know, uh, just how games today are lacking sort of the uh, maybe the magic of these games, much as we do with our favorite Super Nintendo games. So um, I don't know. Let, let's Let's see. Who should start? Any volunteers? I'll I'll go. I guess. Okay. Well, you you've got the longest list. <laughs> you cheated. We were supposed to go up with three. And it was well, like well 50. how about we go? Uh, <laughs> I'll do one. Then one of you guys do one. Then the other guy does one, and then we repeat. Okay, that'll work. So, because I I have a list of six, and I will mention one, and then talk about another one. So to really confuse everybody, but my first one uh, are two Wii games that I picked out. That would be the House of the Dead Overkill and Punch Out. And uh, I'm going to talk about House of the Dead Overkill because I think that game is fucking awesome. Um, I think that it's the kind of game that I will be playing in the coming years because of just how like funny it is. It's like why you watch B-movies from 20 years ago and still play them because that's what this game is. It's you know an homage to Grindhouse games. It's a very easy game to pick up because it's just a fucking light gun shooter. It's really funny. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a good co-op component to it. And it's just, it's a really great game. Just, that's it. That's all I got to say. Have <laughs> now, I, you guys played it? I have not no, yet. I haven't. I mean, I've always, I, I've I always feel like you've told to. me before to play this game. I think I have. I think I might have said, like, I'll fucking fire you unless you play this game. That might have come out of my mouth. Or at least I would have thought it. Yeah. Now, th- this game was ported to PS3, wasn't it? Yes, uh, it has move controls. I remember uh, playing an E3 demo of it, I guess, because it came out last October, I think, on Move, and I was really yeah. excited to try it at E3 in 2011, and I played it, and there was lag, and I was just like, fuck it, I'll just play the Wii game again, and I did, <laughs> and it was great. Uh, well, there you go, so the Wii version, perhaps the definitive version. Yeah, I know the PS3 version, I mean, it's an HD, I think there might even be 3D, if you have the specifications for it, and like two bonus levels. Um, I don't really remember hearing too many like great things about like the new additions are totally worth it, but either way, it's a fantastic game. It's also probably one of the funniest games I've ever played. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I, you guys yeah. should both play it, especially, I mean, the, the co-op stuff is great. It's very simple. Let, let's put it this way. You, you know, you, you get a streak in the game for, you know, hitting zombies without missing. 
or what I, I think there's a different name for them. They call them mutants or something. Um, but if you hit a bunch of them in a row, you build up like it's like, you know, like amazing, fantastic and stuff like that. And then the last one is Gorgasm. And <laughs> like the counter that displays your, your combo just becomes an American flag. <laughs> like, and it's so good. It's so good. And the soundtrack is also amazing. Um, it's, you know, it feels like it's right out of a movie from the seventies, but they have remixes of nearly every song. And some of them have a, or most of them have a ridiculous vocal track over them. Um, there's, I believe, a quote from one of them is, uh, uh, like, um, it's it's a song called Critic's Choice. That's the, the remix is then talking about, you know, oh, you know, people really like this game, or people really like this game. And I think there's something where it's like, a street corner prostitute says, I'd suck that dude's dick in reference to the game. <laughs> and I might, you know, it depends. <laughs> these are the things you should have told me when you wanted me to get the game <laughs> yeah these are bullet points but um yeah well and next out patrick why don't you go ahead and go all right uh, i guess i'll start with one of my two wii games that i picked out and my first is kirby's epic yarn now uh this game when it came out i got it right away i played through it and i actually beat it 100 percent. i did all of those uh the mini game type things just because i was so in love with this game and I, I just feel like in the the years moving forward, it's a game where parents can let their kids play it because you can't die. It's just yeah, <laughs> it, it's just so perfect for little kids to play, really of all ages, to be honest. Because I think you're selling that game short. It's fucking perfect for adults to play. Oh, that's too. what I'm saying for all ages because <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> I know Neil loved it. I, I I'm assuming Scott played it and loved it. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> played it all the way through. All the way through with my girlfriend. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a game. I don't. I'm not the kind of person that 100% games, but I think I got to like 97 with that. Yeah, I, um, I mean the mini games weren't the best, but the the course. I still st- played them. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the hide and seek. I think there was one, and I, it was lots of fun. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, enjoyed like, going that's... through each level, and there was like those three collectible pins or whatever they were in each level. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. We... Some of those were hard, and it was actually fun to collect them. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that that was where the challenge was was yeah. collecting everything. Obviously, you couldn't die, but it was like, well, you want to unlock everything. And and was it stars? How it rated you? I can't remember how it rated well, you. Well, you, you wanted to get the best. You ready. collected the beads, and you had to collect a certain amount of beads that you would lose every time you got hit, and you right. have to do that to um to like you know get a gold. And that became challenging on some of the boss stages because if you got hit by the boss, you were pretty much fucked from getting the the best score. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, that's a game that I actually went back to a couple months ago because um, if you've read the review on Nintendo World Report, I gave it a 10. And um, In my opinion, I, I, it deserves it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I went back to it, you know, a year and a half later with a little bit of a, a raised eyebrow being like, was I crazy? And I just replayed some of the levels. I didn't even, like, start a new file or anything. And it's still just fun to traipse through that game. I love that music level that they have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a wonderful little game. I, I think it is a classic, you know? It's just, it inexplicably appeared, and I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like it again, you know? Yeah. I won't get, I don't think it'll get a sequel, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we'll move on to my list. And uh, kicking things off, I have Xenoblade Chronicles, the uh, recent Wii RPG that finally arrived in North America just uh, a couple months ago, right yeah. around uh, PAX, actually. Yeah. Actually, so, um, came out the day of our panel. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Coincidentally enough, um, 
I guess for me, when I when I think of classic games and what I like to go back to a lot, uh, it tends to be the great uh, RPGs on Super Nintendo. Now, whether that's Earthbound or Chrono Trigger or even something you know like Super Mario RPG, there were just so many. And when I look at this generation, I don't really feel like there were, there were that many like noteworthy RPGs. I mean, there's like you know stuff like Lost Odyssey and Eternal Sonata, and then you know any number of the Final Fantasy games, but nothing was really like great or like revered you know the way those kind of old school rpgs were uh with the exception of i think xenoblade chronicles um i think it has like just so much buzz around it and i think it'll be one of those games that a lot of people don't end up playing it came out near the end of the you know the wii's life cycle uh in north america it was released exclusively through gamestop it's just one of those games that i feel like in you know five or ten years you can be like you never played xenoblade chronicles and you can just let a friend borrow it or you guys can, can kind of play it together and like you know, I, I just think it's gonna—it's it, always gonna be so surprising and uh, enjoyable, no matter when you play it. Yeah, I—I I agree. I mean, I—I my yeah, my playthrough of it kind of got cut short because my Wii died, and I guess yeah, uh, same here. Um, <laughs> so I'm like ten hours into it, but I was really enjoying it probably more than I've enjoyed a console RPG since like I Paper Mario. Like yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, I don't even know when the, when was the last time that I I was that into a console RPG. Um, you know, enjoyed the hand, some handheld games, but I thought that could never happen again. And Xenoblade proved me wrong. Yeah. I feel like most traditional RPGs are normally sequels. Like if you look at Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and those, yeah. it, it's always like they're just building up these numbers indefinitely. And um, Xenoblade Chronicles is that one game where it's just like brand new to everyone. So, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's and, the thing is, um, I guess uh, for for my game, there's a nice segue, but when we get there, we'll get there. <laughs> I see yeah, what you I, <laughs> Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'll let you segue in just okay. a second. I yes. guess I'll, I'll, I'll just close saying that, and even playing it now, um, the music's wonderful, but because the graphics are sort of so-so, it, it even almost feels like it is a, a, a game from a different generation, <laughs> you know, because it, it's so I, original. I like, totally. it could It could easily be this, like, kind of PS1 or maybe PS2, um, not in terms of graphics, but just in terms of sort of, like, obscurity, you know? It could just be this game that you kind of stumble upon even now, like you just didn't even know about it, and, and also and it's just how it, so exciting how it came out so late in North America that yeah. kind of adds to it too because like really we're getting the game you know I guess eight months after uh, Europe got it over a year after Japan got it and it feels right. like we are it's this game that came out two generations ago that's finally coming out on the virtual console that we can go get now exactly exactly so there's kind of a lot of mystique around it and just a lot of like. I don't know, just even turmoil getting it here. Yeah. Um, but it's totally, it's just, it's, I think it's going to be a classic for sure. If, I think it'll be a, one of the best RPGs ever, I think. If you haven't gotten it, then uh, even if you hate GameStop and are one of those crazy bastards, just suck it up and go buy the game if you're in North America. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. You might even still be able to buy it directly from Nintendo. I know they were doing that. I don't know if they still are, but it might be worth looking into. So, Neil, take it away. Um... I was going to say that Radiant Historia on the DS um, kind of reminds me of how I feel about Xenoblade, and that it's this game that feels like it could have been from a different era that came out and is brand new and is fucking awesome. Uh, this would be my DS pick. Uh, my, my honorable mention for that would be Picross 3D, which, if you've played that game, you know. <laughs> you know. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> um, but Radiant Historia is just this... I mean, it feels like it could be straight out of a Super Nintendo RPG. The battle systems on this 3x3 grid is really cool and interesting. And 
gets even more in depth as the story goes on. And the way it kind of handles these branching paths that happen is that there's basically uh, there's a point early on in the game where the timeline slits into two, and there's all these little branches off of that too, and they you know intersect and things happen, and then you reach dead ends, but you reach these kind of timeline dead ends, and all you do is go back to the go back to the previous node on the timeline, and it offers this kind of cool mechanic of being like, well. You know, this will probably end in tragedy, but I want to see what happens, because then they give you a little paragraph as the like, and then they all died. Go back. <laughs> um, but it's it's really, it's a great game. It It's long, it's worth it. Um, I actually haven't finished it, and that's more, I got, I got I think, two-thirds of the way through the game, but then Pokemon Black and White came out, and I reviewed that. Um, so it kind of got pushed to the side, and I, I recently started a new file in an effort to try to go through the game again and actually beat it. Um, so hopefully I'll do that. I, I really, really enjoyed this game. Um, there's an annoying walking sound, though, like when your character walks. It's like this kind of ridiculous footstep noise. Uh, that's probably, <laughs> in all honesty, the only bad thing. You can even, like, skip dialogue and shit, which is awesome if you don't care about stories and games. Or if it's just like, yeah, this is boring. Move on. <laughs> So it's got, like, the Parasite Eve syndrome, where there's just that <laughs> annoying, like, footstep sound. Yeah. Nice. Um, other than that, the music's great. It's actually by uh, Yoko Shimamura, who I think we've done some features on it, um, on her in the past. Uh, she did the music for, like, Super Mario RPG, I think the Kingdom Hearts games, the Mario and Luigi games. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Nice. All of those yeah, this I is, love. This, this, <laughs> yeah, this is a game I, like, kind of wanted to check out, um, but never did. It came out last year, right? Correct. Uh yeah, like February two thousand eleven. Yeah, like I, I kind of didn't really know anything about it, and then it was popping up on our game of the year list as well as you know other publications, and I was kind of piqued my interest, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. I don't even know if I'd be able to find it. I think uh, they did they, a reissue of they, it. Yeah, they did. And oh, like good. Early two thousand twelve, so hopefully it won't be too hard to find. It's something I never picked up when it was initially released, but after the reprint, it comes come down in price, and it's something I'm interested in. Yeah, you guys should both get this. I feel like uh, this might be a running trend of all of my games. <laughs> you guys yeah, need to play this so. shit right now. I think you're right. <laughs> all right, Patrick, your um, next game. Well, we've been talking a lot about a lot of these RPGs, and I guess my next one can be considered an RPG, and it's The World Ends With You, which was on the Nintendo DS. Yes. Now, this game, um, I, I got it. It was probably, I don't know how, it was like 2009, I think it came out. Um, but when it came out, all of my friends, we all got this game because we, we, we hadn't really talked about it with each other, but we all had just found inter- interest in this game. We all just got it for different reasons, and we all just happened to love it, and then it just became this running thing where we would just play The World Ends With You all the time at school. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Have, have either of you played this? I've yes. thought about it, but I never have because just every time I'd read about the game with the pins and the stupid Shibuya hipster crap like it never really <laughs> never really want, made me want lot, to play the game <laughs> it's not really that big a deal in the game I mean the story is just really fantastic in my opinion um and the gameplay it's, it's just really different because you have to work on both screens at the same time like you're doing some type of like you have to follow keystroke instructions on the top screen while controlling the bottom screen and it, it's a really confusing system at so, first and then how, how do you control both screens? This, I mean, I've never, I have, I haven't really read too much into the game. It's just something that, it, like the, 
the aesthetic of it never really appealed to me, which is probably a bad thing on my part. I should have just gotten over that and tried it at some point. I've thought about it, but, you know, time is precious. It, like, um, it, it's just weird. Your eyes become kind of trained, I felt, like, by the, by the end of my gameplay, like, by the end of the time I had finished playing it. You just, like, kind of keep glancing up at the top screen to continue hitting the keystrokes, and, like, if you complete a setup there, then it, like, passes a... Uh, but, uh, well, I mean, like, I kind of get that you're looking at both screens, okay. but, like, how do you, like, what buttons do you press? How, how do you interact with the top screen and the bottom screen at the same time? Um, is it touchscreen-based? Yeah, the bottom screen is yeah. touchscreen. Okay, so basically, is... like, you got the stylus out, and yeah. you're doing stuff on the bottom screen while, I assume, I mean, I'm a lefty, so I assume the face buttons, but also yeah. duplicate I believe whatever so. is done on the D-pad. If I remember correctly, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, be- I believe that's right. So, like, on the bottom screen, that's where most of the main action is. Like, you're doing a lot of, like... Typing, like tapping and like swiping and stuff and using like your powers. But then, yeah, at the top screen, yeah, you're entering like, um, yeah, like button combinations. Like yeah. left, up, up, down. Yeah. <laughs> something, something ridiculous like that. Now that I've kind of heard it described more, it sounds a lot more appealing. But yeah. uh, I mean, what else about that game makes it so good outside yeah. of the story and that combat? The music was fantastic. It, it just stuck out to me as like um, a game that I want to go back and play probably every five years or so. It's hard to describe. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's. I don't know. It just it feels very much like almost like a representation of life in Japan in some way. I mean, you know, it, it just feels like it's a real place, um, and, and even down to the music, which is like in, just like J-pop. Really, I think it is even like samples of real songs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and so it's just like the whole setting is kind of cool. It, in the same way that Earthbound set in this sort of you know Americana. You know, that makes it so interesting and, and sets it apart from so many other games. Um, it's the same with The World Ends With You. It, it's, it's definitely just, different it, than anything you've probably ever played before. And probably will ever play yeah. for, for yeah. quite some time. They ever, I mean, they've, they've talked about a sequel before, but I guess the best we're getting is that the characters will appear in Traverse Town in, in Kingdom Hearts 3D. Right, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I, I wouldn't let like the like the sort of like hipster kind of like pin collecting and even just like the way the characters well, look then, really uh, like take away from it. I mean, the pins really are in any are just kind of like basically just like your powers or your weapons or your equipment. I mean, just think of it as any other like RPG. I mean, if you want to look at it as armor and swords and stuff, just yeah, <laughs> think that, of it that way. If that if that helps really you get is. past it, I mean, it's just collecting powers and uh, upgrades and stuff. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a great little game. I'm sure. literally on my phone right now seeing if I can find it uh, at a GameStop nearby used. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just wholly unique. <laughs> I, I don't think it's perfect by any means, but it, it's it's unlike anything you're going to play. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we can move along then to myself. And um, my next selection, I've actually cheated. I've picked two games, but I think they kind of represent similar themes and um, just sort of innovations uh, in games, and that's both Bioshock and Dead Space. Um, both are similar in sort of the, like, um, uh, Dead Space more so, but they kind of have these sort of horror and suspense elements. Um, but more than that, I think just the sort of um, yeah, like innovation and new features they bring to both first- and third-person shooters are um, noteworthy, and I think we'll be able to look back to them um, for years to come and, and kind of see their influence. Um, Dead Space especially kind of took the... Um, I don't know sort of what Resident Evil 4 did with like over the over the shoulder third person uh, shooters and just like ran with it and really uh, innovated with it 
And, um, I mean, down to even the HUD being built into your suit and things like that. I mean, it's just so, it's so cool. And it's just like a fun and interesting game to even look at, uh, let alone play. Um, and then same with Bioshock. I mean, it just had these cool, like, um, combat mechanics. But more than that, it had a story to tell. And it, like, when you play through it the first time and you get to that sort of twist that's about three fourths of the way through, I mean, it's just kind of like a holy shit moment. And, you know, I don't know that there are many games that, have those anymore you know that that moment you're just not expecting and uh if you don't know it and you get to it it's just like a, it's the payoff is great and i just feel like that's a game you'll always be able to kind of go back to especially if people who haven't played it and just kind of show it to them and um yeah i, I so i think so for both i just think they're both uh great little games and i, cool. I enjoyed playing both of them when i did yeah. uh, i really enjoyed bioshock it was a game that um, I didn't really follow much about it. I didn't really care about System Shock or anything, um, so the pedigree didn't really do anything for me. Although I always liked, uh, what they do, Freedom Force? Was that game that Irrational did? That was a great game. Yeah, Freedom Force is awesome. Yeah, I never played the sequel, but the first one, holy shit, that game's awesome. The second one's really good, too. They're both I, good. I, I've, I've thought about getting it, but I'm just, I'm, that was during, like, that, that couple-month period where I flirted with being a PC gamer and then, you know, didn't stop calling, <laughs> stop returning calls. <laughs> Changed your number. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Bioshock was a game I played the demo of, and it's just like, I finished the demo, I was like, well, fuck. Yeah. I gotta go buy this. And I went out and bought it and played the shit out of it. Um, and actually, I think, uh, of how good it was, is that it ended up kind of overlapping with Metroid Prime 3, and I was really excited for Metroid Prime 3, and fuck you, Metroid Prime 3, Dead, uh, Dead Space, Bioshock. Just, I mean, that was the game I had to finish, and then I went to Metroid Prime 3. It just, it wasn't yeah. really a contest. But uh, Dead Space was a game that I ended up, uh, I borrowed from a friend and got like halfway through it. And I really enjoyed it. I kind of always wish I played more. Um, and I hope that Dead Space 3 in some way comes to Wii U, because then I'd have more of an excuse to play it. There you go. Patrick, have you played either? I, I got both of them, and I played like two hours about of each. And <laughs> it, it's funny that both of these came up because it, I, I normally try to finish games, but both of them just, I, I don't know, it, it didn't resonate with me well. Huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, I, I think they're both uh, very noteworthy, and especially in terms of shooters, I, I think... Uh, yeah, we'll see their influence for quite some time. And I, I had a hard time putting them on the list because I wanted to kind of avoid games that were going to get a lot of sequels because I think that kind of hurts, like, classic status yeah. in my mind. You know, like, when I think of the games that... Like, I, I thought of, like, New Super Mario well, Brothers Wii, and it's like, I love that game, but I feel like they're going to just keep iterating on it that who, what's the point of playing the original when, like, it's going to incrementally get better or at least just stay the same. You know, it, it's... I think that, like, how, how you brought both of these games up, once again, like, very interesting that both of these games came up together. But I feel like with Bioshock, the original won't be touched, won't be harmed by sequels. I mean, the second one, I don't really think made too much of a blip to kind of ruin it. And, you know, Irrational is taking the series into, a, you know, a similar thematic direction, but a totally different game with Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Whereas Dead Space, they're just iterating and iterating, and it's slowly turning into the game that everyone celebrated it not for being when it first came out. Like, right. I've heard stuff that the E3 stuff that was shown where it's just like fucking Lost Planet. Like, I've heard that's only like this certain area of the game, and it was pumped up more for the E3 crowd, but still, like, that is not the same game that Dead Space 1 was, which I guess it's nice that it's evolving, but it's evolving, it's it's being homogenized. It, it was so fresh, and now it's slowly becoming right. what it wasn't before. 
Right. And you know what I almost included in this list, which which would have been truer to my idea of like what I envisioned a classic game being, um, was Mirror's Edge. Oh, I fucking love that game. Isn't it amazing? Like, it's, I it's, forgot about even thinking of that game for this, but right. I, really, I really love that game. It's, it's funny it's, because that's another game I only put about two hours into. <laughs> it's well, really frustrating, put, it, but if, I, I, was I beat say, it. If, if you probably played another like hour and a half, you probably would have beat it. It's it's rather short. Yeah. Um, and it's it's flawed. That's why I have a hard time like considering it to be this like classic, but I think it's a, a noteworthy game that will always I, it will kind of look back on and... and drawn and it, i think it is something you can go back and visit but i don't think it'll be it's not going to be held in such high esteem but it did a lot of great interesting things with just first person perspective i think that i mean that's the kind of game that you know you go back and you'll see the flaws and everything but there are a lot of games that probably we look back with rose-colored glasses on from the super nintendo you know nes n64 eras that we would hold up as these classics but you go back and play them and you're like well that's kind of janky as all hell yeah but yeah, I, I really, yeah. I dug Mirror's Edge a whole lot. Yeah, it was great. And, and Dead Space and Mirror's Edge came out within a, a you know, within like yeah, the same, same time fall. frame. And that was, that was a big deal because it was EA, like, publishing new IPs. And this was so exciting. And, you know, these were, like, wholly fresh ideas. And then, right, like, Mirror's Edge died because it wasn't successful, really. And yeah. then now Dead Space is becoming the, like, very thing it was, like you're saying, the very thing it was hailed, uh, you know, for, like, being against or being the antithesis of. So. Yep. It's just funny how that works, but anywho, let's move on to your third um, pick, Neil. All right, um, I have two that are on 360 and PS3. Um, the first one that I'll mention is a relatively recent release, and that's SSX, which is probably a game that will get soiled on for having a lot of sequels, which isn't really a bad thing, but I find that SSX is really just a, like almost what I want out of every extreme sports game. Um, the controls are great. You know, you if you want the classic SSX controls, you can get that, or you can get their, their kind of new stuff. Um, you know, the game feels great. There's customizable soundtracks. There's all these different mountains, even if most of them have fucking pitfalls everywhere. You can just avoid them. There's just a lot of content in this game, and some of the DLC that they've put out. Um, I haven't dived too much into that, but it's also great. Um, I just really, really enjoyed SSX. And if you haven't picked it up, uh, still pick it up. You might not be able to find too many people playing it online. Um, I don't know how well the community is holding on, but it's still a fantastic game, even if you just you know you're playing against yourself. Um, and the other game that I have is probably a game that I think did not get enough love and deserves more and more effusive praise, and that is X Men Origins Wolverine for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. It was developed by I... Raven Software. I was gonna say, I, I just love that this is on your list. Like this came out of nowhere. Like like Patrick's list and most everything else on your list. I'm like, okay, like that makes sense. And then the seeing this on here, like I'm, I can't wait to hear you justify this. Oh, I, I was this, talking to Neil earlier. This game this, this is, is God of War with Wolverine in it. That's almost all you need to know. If you were a fan of Wolverine in any way, shape, or form, and you have not played this game, you're an idiot. Um, because it like who the fuck wouldn't want to play God of War if it was just Wolverine? Like, it feels so good, control, like, like you're actually just kicking the shit out of everybody. And, of course, you get near the end where it's like guys are blocking you for some fucked up reason. But, like, it's really, it's a very empowering game. You know, you have some moments where it's kind of based on stealth as you're kind of, you know, leaping into the air and pouncing on people and then just fucking people's shit up. Um, it's, it's a better plot. 
than the movie. It's a better experience than the movie. I know there was a Mega 64 video where it was like the one guy went to go see the movie and he was like, yeah, it was like 20 hours long. It was great. And then they find out that like he just went and saw the game being played. Um, Because that's how much better the game is compared to the movie. Um, Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the big thing I remember hearing about this game is that it's like incredibly violent. Oh yeah, it is super violent. It deserves its M rated. You fucking put a dude's head into a helicopter blade and it comes off. (laughs) <laughs> that is a thing that happens at one point. Oh, is it like the old Sega Genesis game where when you have your claws out that uses like your energy so nope. you can only have them out sometime? Nope. <laughs> but I mean like that's the thing, is that like you you are in control of Wolverine in this game and it is it is awesome. Um once again I was talking with Kirby's Epic Yarn earlier that the, I don't usually one hundred percent every game. Wait, wait, wait. I, oh, wait, never mind. There, there okay, is a comparison between X-Men Origins Wolverine and Kirby's <laughs> Epic Yarn, despite being almost di- diametrically opposite. Um, but they're both games that I'm not the kind of guy that puts 100% into a game, but I got damn close with this game. Um, you know, I think as far as achievements go, I think I'm at like 900 or somewhere close. I think I'm literally like missing one or two, and that's wow. it. But I just, I love the hell out of this game, and I have... You know, I played it to completion, and I got, like, halfway through it again, and I'll, I'll probably go back and play it again at some point. And I just wish Raven Software wasn't stuck on Call of Duty for eternity. Um, they also made Singularity, which is apparently a cool Bioshock-inspired uh, first-person shooter that uh, I got real cheap but have not played yet. They also made, like, the X-Men Legends games, um, and I think the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but, I mean, they're, they're a good development studio, and... They fucking owned it with this game. However, uh, I'll offer you the warning that the Wii and DS versions of this game are complete and total trash. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I never played the Wii or DS version, but I saw videos... I watched videos of both, and it's just like, you know, like if someone ported down the 360 PS3 version of the game and just farted on it everywhere, (laughs) that's somewhat close to what the, the Wii version was. (laughs) <laughs> so not not exactly a ringing endorsement of yeah that. but i mean I, I can't say it enough that this game fucking rules and i'm not really i i'm not really being hyperbolic when i say that this is probably one of my favorite games of 2009 when which is the year the game came out wow like well, it would be go. like top three but then again i'm the same person who holds batman beyond return of the joker as one of my favorite movies of all time so maybe i'm just dumb that's a good movie. I like that. I, I, I like that love movie. that movie. <laughs> um, if nothing else, Neil, I think your list has like just inspired me to look up a bunch of games I never played. Good. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm literally, uh, depending on when we finish this, I might go at the GameStop and go buy The World Ends With You. I found out the one right down the road from me supposedly has it in stock. Nice. You should do that. Yes. <laughs> report, report back. It's only 20 <laughs> bucks. plus, you know, the oh, shit, I might have to renew that stupid power up reward thing maybe i gotta go now so it doesn't expire i think it like literally might happen tomorrow (laughs) all right well uh patrick how about your third game all right um so this one i had a little hard time deciding on a third game but i think i'm gonna go with donkey kong country returns now um for me i always when i was when i was a kid i played the uh, donkey kong country one and two just all the time they they were my favorite I, i probably beat donkey kong country so overrated so overrated. No, way. Oh, this game's so overrated. I, I love it. I so overrated. Which, which, which game is overrated? The Wii one or the Super Nintendo? No, oh, no, 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 the Super Nintendo ones. I nah, think. They're good. I think the they're Wii good. one's fucking awesome. They correct a lot of what I don't well, like about the originals. 
Oh, I, you... I love the original, and the, the Wii one just basically mimicked it in the best way possible, in my opinion. Yeah. Everything that I loved about the original was there. And then they made a better game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in some ways, there's like the there's more collectibles, I guess, now, and more unlockables, and I think, I don't know. I, I haven't gone through and beaten Donkey Kong Country Returns completely, but I, re- I really love it. Yeah, actually, it's funny that that was on your list because that's the game that like kind of inspired yeah, yeah. this whole when discussion. When you told that story at the beginning, it, I was like, oh. <laughs> right, that's, so it's kind of perfect. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a wonderful game. Um, I, I think it will end up holding up better than the Donkey Kong Country games. I, 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 I don't think agree that, with that. I, I think this game is always going to look graphically wonderful, whereas the originals really don't hold up graphically. Well, I, I sure. think they do. I, but, I love but the graphical style. It's a great but the uh, but the sound design and the gameplay in the in the Super Nintendo ones I think still stands up. But yeah. I, I, I don't Music think of those over... games is fantastic, and it's I... also fantastic in the new one. Yes. So well, I, I think the the music is probably the only like weak point for me in uh, in the, this new Wii game compared to the old ones. It, it's good, but it, there's not like nothing that stands out, nothing new. It kind of just yeah. like borrows themes from the uh, the older games, which is I fine. Mean, that's like people complaining about like how you know, music in some of the new Mario games sucks. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, do you want them to reinvent the wheel every fucking game? <laughs> because either that or they can harken back to these classic mu- the, the classic music that everybody fucking adores. Well, like, sure, but they also, <laughs> for like three or four games, were making consistently great music, new yeah. music, so they were doing it. <laughs> they just stopped, so, you know, yeah. I guess tomato, tomato there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I will say, though, that the best thing about Donkey Kong Country Returns, why I think it'll be better than the Super Nintendo games for me, is the uh, the co-op play, the asymmetrical co-op play at that. Yes, yeah. for the first um, time in the series, that, right? That's something I never really messed with, but I guess you did a lot, Scott. Yeah, I mean, that's how I played through the entire game. Uh, and if you if you can find someone to play with, I think it's totally worth it. And, I mean, if, if you find someone who's a little less experienced with games, it really benefits from that because Diddy Kong has, you know, the use of the jetpack and stuff. So while It's also you fun maybe... to grief your friends with that, too. Cause, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I haven't finished it. I think I'm on, like, World 6, but I played through probably... I went and replayed, like, the first, like, two or three worlds with a friend of mine. And we got to the point where once he got acclimated with the game, we would have a blast, and it would be a lot of, you know, from griefing each other. And it just worked out great in that respect, in that it's not like some other platformers that I've played, like, you know, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, where, you know, you grief with each other and you don't progress, whereas in this one, you can kind of grief and still progress, it's just that one person will be in front. Yep, yeah. That's true. Well, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of opportunity to kill your friend because there's a lot of like, especially later on, you get to those moments where it's like pure platforming and you can't make a mistake. So it's like, you know, once you land on something, it falls down, it breaks. You know, a lot of like uh, bottomless pits and things like yeah. that. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's very easy to get ahead and kind of do that kind of stuff. I really, okay. I mean, this makes me want to go back and finish this game and replay it. Um, it's it's one of those games that's been on my list, and probably when there's downtime this summer, I will get to it. Scott, you I, I, mentioned the platforming, and that, that's one of the reasons why I love the Donkey Kong series so much, is just the, diffi- the like the sheer difficulty of the game. Like some yeah. of those levels you could play over and over again and still mess up all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, it, it's, it pales in difficulty only to Rayman uh, Origins. 
um, from this this generation. If you and then you know probably compared to Legends when that comes out. But in terms of like the actual Nintendo 2D platformers from the Wii, I think it's the best one. It's the most difficult, and I think it's the the best to go back and play again. Yeah, I mean, I would um, say, I mean, I, I still think, at least me personally, looking at like you know the games stacked up against each other, I would still prefer Kirby's Epic Yarn. But I don't really think that they are of the same ilk when it comes to 2D platformers. Right. Like they're, they're going they're going for completely different things. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If you All haven't right. played it, I, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, it just dropped down to thirty dollars uh, a couple weeks ago, or I think literally a week ago. Is it like a Nintendo Selects game now? No, it's just because uh, they had you know Pikmin two and Mar- Mario Power Tennis were added to Nintendo Selects, and they were just like, oh yeah, BT Dubs, Brawl, and Donkey Country <laughs> Returns are thirty dollars now. Oh yeah, it's totally worth thirty dollars. Yeah. yeah, single player or multiplayer. But, yeah. yeah, great, great game. It's a it's a fantastic game. I really want to go and finish it. Yes. Um, Alright, and then my third game um, I thought, I'm surprised, I thought this would be somewhere on either of your guys' lists um, But Super Mario Galaxy 2 And I specifically say 2 Now Neil, I, I know when you when I revealed my list to you You, you said you were in favor of 1 but Yeah, that um, would be part of the reason why it wasn't on my list Because I considered 1, but not 2 Well, I think of 1 And I, when it came out, it was kind of like playing Super Mario 64 for the first time. You know, it was disorienting in a lot of ways, and there were just a lot of great new ideas, uh, particularly with how you could use gravity um, to affect, like, puzzles and platforming and sort of change the rules. Um, you know, no longer was up always up. You know, it was it was all about perspective. Um, and that was great, but I feel like Galaxy 2 is when they were just, like, really took the gloves off, and they were like, let's just see everything we can do with this. And I, I think, I mean, there's a... Like what? Like a billion stars to collect because there's well, the regular yeah. stars, and then there's like the, all I'm the challenges, right. and then you can play through as Luigi and just all this stuff. Um, so there's just a, a ton to do, a, a lot more to do, and I think they just really like milked this idea for everything it was worth. And in terms of like sequels, which I said I was trying to, um, you know, avoid series that were just going to spawn endless sequels. I don't think we'll see another Galaxy game, and I don't think the next 3D Mario game. Um, is going to be anything like Galaxy. I, you know, I think at this point they're going to have to do something new. So to me, it stands out sort of as like that Mario 3, uh, Mario World, and Mario 64, where it's like these games aren't ever like replicated. I mean, there's things taken from, they inspire future Mario games, but they kind of stand alone um, as like the final, like, I don't know, these final like bastions of new ideas um, in, in what Mario can do in, in mainline Mario games. I mean, for me, like I, I think Galaxy Two is also a great game. But for me, I think what you made the comment about how playing Galaxy for the first time was like playing Mario sixty four, and it was disorienting. And I think yeah. that's why for me, Galaxy would stand as the classic as opposed to Galaxy Two, because I also mm-hmm. think that if you just went into the series and started with Galaxy Two, you would be completely disoriented. Whereas, you know, I feel like if you play like Galaxy One to Galaxy Two as a whole entity, like that, that is. That is amazing. It's spectacular. But I feel like to play Galaxy 2, you kind of need to play Galaxy 1 first. Um, I just think that like the, the ramp up in difficulty and just you know how they kind of assume that you know these concepts from Galaxy 1, like you kind of need to play 1 to get to 2 in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. It just feels like idea-wise, Galaxy 1 laid the like a good foundation and then Galaxy 2 just expanded on the ideas so yeah. much. I, I just feel like it was so much better. Like I, yeah. I, I agree with Scott that two would be the more classic. 
I mean, it's kind of the way that, like, both are classic. It's kind of the way that, like, you know, the original Mario Brothers. It's like, well, yeah, it's going to be easier than if you try to jump into Mario 3 without having played any yeah. of them. You know, like, you should probably start at the beginning. But for everyone who's played a Mario game, it's like you kind of don't want to go back to just the original Mario Brothers I think the very better much. Com- you want to play 3 or World. You I know? think the better comparison is comparing 3 to World and that, you know, 3 laid this great groundwork and then World, you know, added Yoshi. Which Galaxy Two also <laughs> literally did. It's um, true. It's true. But I, I like. I mean, I think the better comparisons there because it's not like you know laying the basic groundwork. It's just laying new groundwork on top of an old foundation, and then Galaxy Two just kind of expands on that foundation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess regardless, they're both great games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, in all honesty, if we were to expand this list even further, both of those games would totally be on it. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm already, like, fiending to kind of go back to Galaxy 2. Oh, yeah, I um, mean, it, see, see for me, I'm kind of fiending to go back to Galaxy 1. But, I don't I, know. I've tried going back to Galaxy 1, and it, it just didn't... I didn't like it as much as Galaxy 2. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems easier. Like, I think of those first few worlds and, like, kind of, like, the boss battles and stuff, and it was all just yeah. so, like, boss very Boss battles simplistic. in both of the games suck shit. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But, I, I don't know. I think Galaxy 2 just does everything better. Yeah, it's streamlined, you know, they kind of yeah. got, got rid of the hub world. It's like, okay, here's just a level select, just go have fun. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, still I, so know. many hoops to go through that hub world, because, like, you need to go talk to the fucking captain of the ship, and then... I mean, I liked exploring the hub world in, in Galaxy 1, and I like the, the storybook stuff, although I'm not, not as ridiculously a fan as some other people are with the story in Galaxy 1, but I just like that it's kind of nestled away in there. It's there if you want it, sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I think that about does it. So um, this this is these are our classic games. Now you, the listener, I'm sure have some yourself. Um, if you want to follow our rules, it was from this current generation. Um, you know, so don't go back to like GameCube or N64 or something like that. But if you've got some that we didn't talk about and you'd like to share, uh, feel free to email us at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Uh, maybe we'll revisit revisit this in a few weeks and kind of share what the listeners view as classic games, and we'll either agree or refute it. And, um, you know, either deem your comment worthy or we'll ban you from listening to the podcast in the future. It's risky, but I think the reward is, uh, is well worth it. So, uh, yeah. So for Neil and Patrick, I'm Scott, and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Yep. Bye. segment of connectivity i'm scott thompson and today i'm joined by uh possibly i guess a member of the nwr staff who probably has the coolest name uh josh max 
<laughs> Hello, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty impressive name. Um, you know, C- Carmine, uh, it's a pretty sweet name, Carmine Red, but Josh Max is right there. You guys sound like superheroes. Right? Yeah. I feel like, we, I mean, Carmine Red, Josh Max, I feel like that's a, just, there's a comic book in there somewhere. Yeah. There's got to be, and then even J- James Jones, just because of like the alliteration. There's, uh, yeah, he's, there's definitely... he's, he's the guy who uh, writes about us in the, in the newspaper. Exactly. Yeah, he's the pesky like reporter who maybe hates you guys and uh, oh, wants he you guys brought to. down. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. So yeah, uh, this segment of connectivity, we're just gonna try to create a superhero team out of NWR staff members. Um, no, wait, that's <laughs> not right. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, Pokemon Conquest, which Josh just uh, reviewed for the site. And just came out, well, by the time you hear it, it'll be about a week old. I think it came out last Sunday. And, um, yeah, it, it's a very interesting game. And I, I think it, it's very easy to be overlooked since it's not a uh, mainline Pokemon game. But uh, I know for myself, looking at screenshots and just sort of reading about it, it's very intriguing. So I wanted to sort of spotlight it, spotlight it for anyone who might uh, kind of let it slip through the cracks, which it seems like would be very bad based on... Uh, your review, Josh. So, why don't you talk about uh, uh, the game a little bit and just uh, kind of what sets it apart from just a regular Pokemon game? Sure. I mean, it's. Just, I think this is easily one of the best Pokemon spinoff games. You know, like I mean, everyone loved Pokemon Snap, as far as I know. Um, and you know, uh, this is this is right up there with with that kind of game. It's funny that I'm comparing it to that game, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a game uh, where you play this warlord in the land of uh ransay i think i i that's how i say it in my head um ransai ransay uh and you play a warlord from one of the uh the countries in this land and there's a legend that says uh he who unites all the countries under his banner um will meet the creator of this region of this land because the land kind of resembles uh one pokemon uh and so you set off and you start saying, okay, well, maybe I should meet this Pokemon. Maybe I'll, I'll go and unite everyone. And then you start hearing that uh, Nobunaga, who's on the complete opposite side of the region, is doing the same thing. Like he's, he's trying to unite all the regions, but you don't know why. You just know that he's, it's something evil. You have this evil kind of feeling mm-hmm. from it. Um, and so that's essentially what you're doing in the main story is that you, you know, you're just trying to unite the, you go to, you, you have a certain amount of, uh, slots in your, uh, for warriors in each country and you, know, you have six slots. Um, and you can, you start off with like, you know, two warriors, three warriors. And from there in each area that you can, you know, try to recruit more. And for each warrior, they can hold a certain amount of, uh, Pokemon each. Um, so you can recruit more Pokemon because some Pokemon you'll have a guy who has a Charmander. He's really good with water Pokemon. As it says, it'll say what their strong element is. So you'll know, well, he's doing terrible with Charmander. He can, he can get a 30% rate. So it can't really grow that much. And then you go find a water Pokemon, say, uh, Magikarp and he has a hundred percent. So you know that that Magikarp has room to grow, especially into a Gyarados. And then it can grow even further. Um, so it's, so you got to find what warrior works best with what Pokemon, uh, cause and each warrior has their own, uh, God, warlord power. I think okay. that's what it's called. Warrior power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those powers enhance their Pokemon further. Like, you know, this Pokemon can move further and it can, uh, it has a higher attack. This Pokemon cures everyone of poison, you know, this, that through that power. It's so, I mean, in each, each Pokemon only has one attack, but can have one of three abilities, like. Some bellies are passive. Some of them are, uh, well, not. <laughs> um, 
but it's, I mean, there's so much to consider in, in each, uh, I mean, with, with each stage, every time, you know, and you, you battle other warlords and you, you can recruit them if you beat them under certain conditions. And it's not just go into a country, beat them up, walk out. Sometimes you have to claim a certain amount of banners or you have to defend and you get to be on the opposite side. Like someone's attacking you and you just have to make sure they don't get all the banners. Um, <laughs> wow, I just went on for a while. Um, <laughs> well, let, let me um, let me ask some specific questions there then. Um, yeah. So in terms of the story then, so this is a world where Pokemon are, they're known commodities. Is that That's correct. So they're not like something, I guess in my head, because it's sort of the, the bridging of these two um, different franchises with Pokemon and then uh, Nabunaga's Ambition. Um so I thought like maybe like it was just like parallel world like a like a time portal opened up and like Pokemon just appeared but no it's like this is a world where Pokemon live and are are, are like yeah like a known commodity they're not something that just appeared. Yeah, they actually handled it really well and kind of funny. Um it is it's weird because they go uh at first I thought I was thinking the same thing. I'm like how long have Pokemon been around? And just one guy comes up and he goes you know, oh, of course, you know, only, but of course only warriors can communicate with Pokemon. Everybody else just kind of sees them. I heard there's a far off land where people keep them in tiny balls. How barbaric. And you, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, so I think it's in kind of in the Pokemon universe, but not at the same time. Right. Like, it's removed, but it's not. It's. That's actually pretty awesome. That's yeah. really great. Like, like so self-referential like that. That's uh, That's perfect. Yeah, and I mean, they, they play on that, because after you beat the first story, like I said, there are a bunch of other stories that you can play through. Uh, some of them will be just as long. Um, I just finished one of them where you were uh, one of the rival warlords, who wasn't Nobunaga or you, you were just one of the other ones, and he wanted to unite the region and meet the creator of uh, the land so everyone could communicate with Pokemon. Oh. And I did that, and yeah, it's fun. And then I just started up another one where this guy wants to know more about Pokemon, so you have to collect 100, like, 100 different Pokemon. Hmm. It's like pretty, like different, like wind conditions, basically, and different well, like motivations. Yeah, different stories, different story conditions. That's awesome. Now, in in terms of the combat, because this is the the big thing that grabbed my attention when looking at screenshots of the game, it appears to be sort of like a um, like grid based tactical uh, style strategy game. I mean, is that is that a fair uh, assessment? You know, something like Final Fantasy Tactics or even Fire Emblem or something like that? Yeah, I mean, everyone compares it to uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, but it's not Tactics. It's its own game, but it is a grid-based... It's, I mean, it's a grid, uh, turn-based strategy game. So, I mean, if you want to compare that to Fire Emblem or, or Tactics, you can. Because I went in expecting that kind of feel, and it almost... Like, it's almost that kind of feel, but it's not. Because, I don't know, because... Well, at least with me, with Fire Emblem... I love it because, you know, you can go deeper into each character. You know, they each have their backstories, right. conversations, all that fun stuff. Um, and with, and it, you know, you don't really get that aside from the main warlords in this one. There are a bunch of mini warriors who use the same essential, like, cutouts. You know, mm-hmm. you see the same character face for 18 people with different <laughs> names. <laughs> right, right. That's just the way it is. But, I mean, that's then you go to tactics. That's how it is in tactics. But there, there's the job system, and here's the Pokemon system. Right. Now, yeah. um, I, I mean, the, the, go ahead. The, uh, well, I was saying that in the main difference between, I think, tactics and, and this is that with tactics, there's, uh, missions and there's, you know, a, a lot of different missions that you can do. And with conquest, it's more of a, 
different stories are like missions, except the stories will take you much longer than a mission would. Like a mission is, oh, I'm you know I got twenty minutes to kill. Yeah, I'll go kill some. You know, I'll, I'll fight the the Moogle clan. Right. And here it's like, well, I mean, I'll try to collect a hundred Pokemon. I'll see how many hours it takes me. Right. And then, yeah, sorry, combat. Yeah, it's essentially it's sorry. <laughs> back to the original question. It's um, it's something like that. It's something. It's a. It's on a grid turn-based strategy game. Um, there are you know super effective. There are guys who are weak against other guys. Like you know, uh, an archer would be super effective against something that flies, like a bird or a dragon. That's not true. Archers aren't strong against dragons. But <laughs> well, maybe no one's played the game yet. They won't. They won't be able to call you out on that. Um, <laughs> So then, as far as the um, the combat, then so you use a mix of Pokemon and uh, human characters then on the battlefield. No, the human human characters play a a background role. Okay. Kind of. I mean, you don't you don't see them aside from a little like cutout next to the name. Okay. Uh, where it says you know Warrior Power Up. Um, I thought I thought it might be like that, but it's just strictly Pokemon on the field with uh, humans kind of using their power ups through like at any time throughout the, throughout okay. the match. Okay. So in a sense, you as the main character are basically, if you want to strip it down and really uh, tie it to Pokemon, you're basically conducting like Pokemon trainers to then use like to battle for you, like with their with their Pokemon that they have. In, yeah, I mean, in a sense. Yeah, if you yeah, you could boil it down to that. And then, uh, I, I, how do you go? Um, how do you go about like collecting additional Pokemon? Uh, in each in each kingdom, uh, there's in the original story, there's just you know one area you can go to. Uh, but in the after you beat it, you go to any of the other stories. You you can upgrade them and get more areas per kingdom. But in each uh, kingdom, there's like a park or a snowy peak or a cave, and you can go in there uh, once per round or month because it's it's timed in months. Uh, you can go in there once per month, and you can link with new Pokemon. Uh, you know, and it'll generally tell you like which Pokemon you're better equipped for. Uh, by having a little symbol above their head, you know, copper means all right, uh, silver means pretty good, and gold means your perfect match. Yeah. Uh, and you can go in there because each warrior has a certain amount of Pokemon they can carry with them. Some can only carry one, uh, but most can carry like three or four. Some can carry six. And you can trade up between them because once they evolve, you know, even though a story ends, the data is saved. And when you recruit them later on, they'll have the same Pokemon, but at a lower link level. Oh, okay. So, so you can have essentially, uh, like you know, hundred percent is the best. And I in the original story, I got a Charizard up to like sixty percent. And then I found the guy again, and they said, "Oh, your data is saved, so this guy's gonna have the Pokemon you had in the real game." And it's down to ten percent, but it's still a Charizard. Oh wow! Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And so, like, as you're mentioning the um, the story here, so it sounds like there's one main story, and then after that, there's a bunch of like sort of smaller. Um, like side stories you can play. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the main story, like I I said in my review, the only thing I didn't like about it was that it's it only, it didn't take that long. Like I, I was reading some other reviews uh the other day, and they were like, oh, it takes about twenty hours. I'm like, it takes about fifteen sixteen hours. Um, uh, you know, at least with me. Um, uh, it took in that I mean, and for a main story like that's okay, but yeah. it's not. I really wish it was longer because this is the main story. But then it told me there's like, you know, four pages of, you know, it's at least, you know, like 10 on each page of, of side stories. And I played, I played three of them and they, you know, the one star, one out of five star ones, I think difficulty, they just took me like, I don't know, half an hour, 20 minutes. And then I played one of the three star one. I just finished that one. That one took me another, like, you know, 
eight hours. Like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, and that's a three three out of five star. So I'm just, you know, I'm over the moon about like the the extra content about sure. this game. Like, there's so much last ability that it's. I mean, for anyone who's waiting for Pokemon Black and White two, this will definitely hold them over. That's awesome. There's, there's so much to do here. Yeah, especially in terms of I mean, being able to. It sounds like being able to to get your Pokemon back from the main story. I mean, maybe not, you know, like you said, like your your link level is not as high, uh, your percentage, but you can at least get those same Pokemon back and like continue with them. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is and pretty you, cool. Yeah, and you can you can try out different partners. I mean, granted, once you find the hundred percent more, you're going to pretty much stick with them. But you can always evolve more if you want to fill up the the gallery, is what they call it. Of so you can so you need to recruit all the warriors and evolve and use all the Pokemon if you want to fill up your gallery. Awesome. And then I heard too, there's, um, there will be DLC in the future, won't there? Yeah. One, one actually just came out. Oh really? And what, what what was that? Like another like story uh, mission basically? Actually it wasn't. It was because when I played through it, um, with, since, you know, I I got it a little before the game, the game actually came out so I could write the review. Um, I got it and there's two, uh, warlords you cannot recruit. Uh, at first, and I'm like, okay, I looked all over for them. You could not recruit them. And in the first DLC that released when the game officially came out, it's uh, a patch that'll let you. I think it's what I think it's what they called it. Doesn't matter. You can recruit those two warlords like automatically once you download it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and Japan had an extra like three or four uh, episodes come out, and we're supposed to get another three. We're supposed to get them as well, and the talking about making more. And was that will that all be free? Do you know? Oh yeah. I mean, awesome. the, the stuff I downloaded was free. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, this game sounds awesome. So I guess, do you have any, uh, I guess, closing remarks for anyone maybe still on the fence? <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I talked about I talk about this a lot as a Pokemon game, but it's more than a Pokemon game. It's also a really good strategy game. Uh, and it's, it's like, talk, you know, I can try to explain why it's such a good strategy game, but I'm sure, you know, if you're a fan... Of, of strategy games that you you've tried explaining to someone else and sometimes they just won't get it and words right. fail me yeah words fail me when i try to say how how good the game is like it's i'm not sure if it's you know the greatest game that's ever come out but it's a really good game and i really liked it it's it's just given me hours and hours of entertainment i'm still playing it uh like nonstop. it's it's really really good it's a great intro to pokemon for people who aren't into it and if and for people who just want a really good strategy game please pick it up because you, you'll be doing yourself a favor. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know you gave the game a 9. And I know, for me personally, I've been kind of burning out like on the mainline Pokemon games. Um, but this, I mean, this seems like, sounds like the perfect spinoff for me as a, as a strategy game fan. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to it. So I hope you pick it up. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like really like wanting to play it all of a sudden. So, um, All right, well, yeah. Well, thanks, Josh, for being here. And, um, uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, in just a bit with another segment.
welcome to Listener Mail. This is the ever-popular segment where you send us mail, and we read it back to you. With me on the call tonight, <laughs> I have Mr. Zachary Miller from Hello. the Great North. How you doing, Zach? Oh, I'm good. Great White North. And, of course, Mr. Mike's Cleanse. Down in the Deep South. That's right, and I am... Florida counts as the Deep South. And I am precisely in the middle. So figure. <laughs> uh, yep. we've, got, we've got three letters for you this week. Uh, most of them are, are either E3 related or not, but... <laughs> one, of the, one of them is E3 related, at least. We had asked for reactions for the, from our uh, listeners for the e, E3 press conferences and, and just overall reactions to the show, and we got, we got a few of those, and we'll go ahead and read one of them tonight. Hey, Zach, why don't you read this first letter? Man, I don't want to talk about E3 again. Okay. Kisaki Project writes, What I've realized is this game... Oh, what he means is uh, Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus. Uprising. What I've realized is that Kid Icarus Uprising is Nintendo's Halo slash Call of Duty slash Gears of War. Think about it. Or is that God of War? No, I think it must be Gears. If it's, no. if it's God of War, then it's not a, a very good game. analogy. Hmm. <laughs> Think about it. You've got an awesome single-player action experience that showcases these gorgeous set pieces. The campaign is like a first-person shooter, third-person shooter, single-played, but with Nintendo's humor and flair to it. Heck, there are even vehicles. Then everything was rounded up in the multiplayer, which is streamlined for a handheld. The item collection slash modification is very Call of Duty. What is incredible, though, through this is that we can see that Nintendo is actually studying their competitors' work and taking what works from it and giving it their own flair, which is something they never used to do. Well, I disagree with everything in that email. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from, and I understand a lot of it, like, uh, you know, the combination of taking a, a strong single-player experience and then wrapping a multiplayer experience around it, but this game doesn't really have the same, you know, mass appeal that Halo, Call of Duty, and Gears of War have. It's much Cache. more much more niche. It doesn't have the control scheme of those either. Well, I don't, obviously. I, 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 don't, I don't think the game is, I mean, and the game's been very well received by many people on staff, but I honestly, yeah, I, love it. I honestly got all maybe 10 or 11 missions into it and just sort of, it just, I just lost interest awfully quickly. Uh, I, I find the on foot stuff to be just a chore and I like the, I like the in air stuff and I like the writing, but, and, but the weapon fusion stuff, it doesn't really feel to me like the weapon you have matters that much, at least not to the point where I'm at in the game. Maybe that changes later on, mm. but it just kind of feels like, okay, well, some weapons are slow and some weapons are fast and some weapons are weak and some weapons are strong, but nothing, it doesn't change the way you play the game that much. No. Yeah, there's, I mean, there there are a couple, like, I guess, yeah, like you said, there are some weapons that, like, just deal a lot, uh, a lot of damage very slowly, and there's some weapons that deal a little damage at extremely high rates of speed, but that's, again, and then the distance is, is a factor in there, too, as well, but, yeah, I feel like there's, like, um, there's too many weapons in this game. Yeah, I agree. And I guess it's nice because everyone's going to find a different one they like, but once you find, like, I feel like most people are probably going to switch between maybe two or three different categories of weapon and then just ignore the rest entirely. Oh, yeah. That's what I do. The main difference between Halo, Call of Duty, and God of War, and um, Kid Icarus Uprising is the first three games are cash cows, and Kid Icarus Uprising is not. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, the, yeah. Kid Icarus is much more niche. I mean, it's got that very. It's much more niche. It's got a very uh, 
Japanese sensibility to it, not just in the uh, in the gameplay, but especially in the uh, in the plot. It's batshit insane. The well, the, yeah, I guess the dialogue. I guess I assume it was equally crazy in Japan, probably more so actually. Yeah. Well, in the marketing, I mean, Halo, Call of Duty, God, Gears of War, God of War. Those games are all incredibly heavily marketed, and did Nintendo really market this game that heavily? No. no, I can't. I can't watch anything on Hulu without seeing at least one ad for God of War Ascension right now. Every single really? show, yeah, it shows up at least once every time I watch anything on Hulu. And most is- shows on Hulu have about maybe six commercials spread out throughout the course of the episode, and always one of them is God of War Ascension, and it that has been get- for months. Wow! I just get I just get Mitt Romney ads everywhere I look. <laughs> For a while, they were running the full like minute and a half trailer in between episodes. Oh wow! Or in between commercial breaks. Yeah, nuts. I, I guess it's not it's not that he's made like inaccurate comparisons. It's just that it, it feels like he was looking for a specific comparison and stretched to make the rationale work. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I, it does seem that Nintendo is definitely studying the competitors. And taking you know taking what works from things. Obviously, the online component of Kid Icarus is a oh yeah is is a testament to that. Like in that it actually works and is fun. But I think it's hard to find a lot of other examples of that. It's not it's not like it's a trend we're seeing. It's it's a few instances here and there. For the most part, they really have never been further apart from their competition as long as I've been paying attention to video games. Yeah. Really? Well, no, I would say they were further apart probably about four years ago than they are now because no one else had motion controls four years ago. Yeah, I suppose that's probably true. But but that has nothing to do with Nintendo and it has everything to do with Microsoft and Sony trying to catch or not catch up or I don't know, trying to be more like Nintendo. It's got nothing to do with Nintendo trying to be more like them. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, if anything, the closest comparison to their. Halo is is Mario, which is it's a totally different game, but it's the only game that has that same super mass appeal. And it's the only game that's so heavily associated with, with one one platform, really. Yeah. I mean God of War is associated with Sony, but Halo is Microsoft. Like that is it's one and the same, really. Xbox is Halo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see you see some you see it somewhere else, or you see it elsewhere in, in their in their strategy with like respect to the selling games digitally online uh, obviously at a certain point they've more or less been forced to do this against their will and they've it's been nice drug- to see them uh, they're going they, whole hog with it though at least they, they've been drug they've been drug into into the digital distribution era kicking and screaming but it does kind of seem like they're not half-assing it anymore they they, they finally understand and understand that their customers want this and and they're putting forth their best effort yeah, well, at, at least, least they've said they will. At Hopefully least starting this fall, yeah. Meverse, folks, it's going to save us all. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. I don't... Nah, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. No, you're, you're, no, you're I think Meverse is incredibly interesting, and it's probably the most interesting aspect, <laughs> because Nintendo is... You know they're going online, but they are doing it in a very different way. They've taken they've taken obviously a hard look at what Xbox Live is and what PlayStation Network is, but those two networks were launched. You know, especially Xbox Live was launched long before social networking became a huge thing. Right. Yeah. You know, even even PlayStation Network has been around. You know, 
uh, I guess PlayStation Network probably got big right around the same time that Twitter got big. Yeah. In like 2009. I guess maybe PlayStation Network launched a little before that, but Sony's online strategy has been going since about 2006, 2007. Sure. So, you know, Nintendo has been able to, they'll, they'll be able to look at, you know, the successes of those networks. And then they've also been able to see the, just the success of social networking in general. And they can take that and put that spin on it. I think it's a good idea. They're going a little more asynchronous about the, the, the way their network is set up. At least it seems that way initially from what they've described it as. And I think that that seems like a good idea to me. You know, you're not always online at the same time as your friends, and this will allow more asynchronous interaction than either PlayStation Network or Xbox Live does. But it may be, I guess, it seems like it may be at the expense of more synchronous interaction. Yeah. I guess my real beef with what they showed of, of Miiverse at E3 was, um, that, yeah, they've taken a different approach to communication between friends on their network. Um, but they've really only shown a small part of that. They've shown this little Twitter-like component. They briefly touched on the ability to post, you know, post videos and or do video calling. That's all well and good, but none of that matters if a lot of the really core obvious stuff isn't there, like being able to see what your friends are playing. Um, matchmaking. Matchmaking. And you may think, well, of course they're going to have that. That much is obvious. If they're talking about the social networking, that's just because they want to focus on what's different. But Nintendo has not earned the right at this point for us to assume that they've got the obvious stuff down pat. Right. I, I'd like a little more assurances that the, the the base level functionality is going to be there. And once that's once – once I'm a little more sure about that, then I'm interested in, in some of the extra stuff. It seems like they're focusing on the fluff and not on the meat and potatoes of it, and yeah. we'll see if that. You know, we'll we'll see how it really pans out. There was so much coming out about the Wii U and the the like the, the centralized accounts and the storage of the system, kind of through these sidebar interviews during E3, but none of it came from anybody like Reggie on a stage. So it just seems like the problem with the, with what they did at E3 was just that. It wasn't the kind of details that people like us want to hear. It's the kind of details that they're picking and choosing to let out. But I don't know if they understand that we want to hear about the rest of it, too. I, I think they think storage is irrelevant, and it's it's not. That's crazy, yeah. It may be irrelevant to the general public. Like, it will have storage. Like, that's kind of all the general public needs. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, I would like to know, I guess, how much and – uh you know, I would like to know how is your online system going to function? You know, I mean, it seems like there'll be achievements, but I don't even know if they're uh, if it's going to be universal. Like Microsoft made achievements no. mandatory. And Reggie Reggie has come out and said, I think outright that they won't be mandatory. See, that seems stupid to me. I mean, you know what though? Sony initially said trophies would be optional, and they changed their tune a couple months after. They did, yeah. And I and though I feel like if if all the I think like all the third party games are going to have achievements on the on the Wii U, it's if they're already having to code them and come and, you know, someone has to sit down and come up with all these achievements. That's probably the hardest part of the whole thing is some guy sitting down and figuring out what should be an achievement for this game. And if they've already done that because they have to on the Xbox and the PlayStation, they're going to put them on the Wii U. And I guess Nintendo will, I hope put them in all of their games. So I guess the really real question would be third party exclusives. Are they going to bother? Like, who knows? Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the second email. We have an email from uh, Adolf Vega, and Adolf Vega writes, 
The overall impression I got from this year's E3 presentation is that Nintendo is doing everything it can to stop the bleeding of money and get money. <laughs> uh, Wii Fit, Sing, Just Dance 4, and Nintendo Land will all go after the casual gamer and be different enough to get people interested and probably sell millions each. Pikmin 3 and Mario are supposed to be the hardcore as well as the reruns of the, th- of the, of the third-party stuff. Mario on 3DS with the whole coin dynamic thing is a transparent analogy of what they believe the sales will be for them. Yeah, the ultimate cash grab, I guess, is the uh, yeah the way to phrase it. Should that. be on the box. The ultimate cash grab. The ultimate <laughs> cash grab. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to it, they they said at least I could have sworn they said at some point they were going to go after the hardcore gamer, but once again, it, it just seemed as if their E3 presentation wasn't wasn't aimed at us. It wasn't aimed at the people in the room. Unless yeah, people, wasn't... unless the people from the room were from USA Today, and I'm sure there were some of them there too. But enthusiast sites like us, it wasn't aimed at us. It was aimed. No. At... When your most hardcore game is Pikmin Three, not to say I mean obviously the the hardcore Nintendo fans are definitely excited about Pikmin Three, but um, is as far as hardcore gamers in general, if your most hardcore game is, I, I guess technically the most hardcore game they showed there was be Zombie U or Batman. Batman. Yeah, but they didn't show those games for a year. Yeah, Batman, which has been out for a year, and all the hardcore gamers have played. Zombie U is 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 an interesting, uh, an interesting title. I'm I'm definitely paying a lot of attention to that just to see if it, if it really turns out to be to be good or not. Cause but even it Zombie looks U good, is, but it, it's it, Ubisoft. It looks good, but it's also it's, I mean it's one of those things where it's really easy to dismiss it because it's in a genre that's been picked to death. Yeah. Um, for the last four years, so yeah, yeah. it does look good, but. It's, yeah, what is there that Zombie U does that you know someone who's a fan of Left for Dead like? Why, why should I buy this game when I already have Left for Dead and Left Dead, 4 Island, Dead, Dead Rising, Island, or Resident Evil? Resident Evil. You know, I already I mean, have the, all of these games. So what makes Zombie U special enough that I should get this one instead of Resident think, Evil Six? I think Zombie U sounds really cool, but I also really I also really like zombies. <laughs> I think I think post-apocalyptic zombie is one of my favorite fictional settings so really? i'm excited about that yeah, yeah I, I, I love it that's why i like that's why i like the classic resident evil games because they have that they have that like end of the world kind of vibe a lot more than than re5 does and re4 does personally See, that's it's, why i'm interested in the last solitary of us. it's solitary last yeah, of us dude, is the same thing but looks, minus the zombies last of us looks amazing i thought there were zombies in the last of us i thought <laughs> i don't think they've said either way but i think the general oh. assumption is that there won't be Okay. Unless it turns out to be like an Uncharted game and they show up in the third act. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, Last, Last of Us looks incredible. I can't wait for that game. Yeah. Um, you know, Zombie U is probably going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. But there's not a lot about it that gets me excited to play it. And it's just, it's going to be a solid game, and I'll probably, it'll probably be a game that I pick up with the system. But I can't say, like, I'm itching to know more about it. It's, it's a survival horror first-person action game. Okay. Yeah, I sounds, think, I think sounds uh, good. the rest of Adolf Vega's uh, uh, his letter is pretty apt in you know that they are definitely they seem to still be going after the the casual the casual gamer. You know, we fit. It's not even really a game, uh, though it does seem like more of a game this time around than than previously. Uh, Sing, I think I've discussed numerous times at this point. I just looks like the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> Just Dance 4 may as, may as well be the same thing. Uh, you know, Nintendo Land is an interesting wild card, I almost think, because you know, what if it comes in packed with the system? Uh, if it does, you know, that seems to be uh, that seems to be the best strategy. 
at least as far as I'm concerned. That you should pack this game in. I mean, a lot of people would probably buy it otherwise, just because it'd be available at launch, but it seems to me like an obvious choice if if they want to go with that route of packing something in again to, you know, increase that value proposition, Nintendo yeah. Land's the obvious choice. No, there is a lot about Wii U that definitely feels like let's do everything we can to minimize the risk of losing money, losing more money. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, that strategy, you know, of, of covering all your bases, you know, you it just, you know, it's that jack of all trades, master of none thing. Yeah. You have to pick a strength and focus on it. That's what the best companies do. The best companies do not go crazy releasing a million products. You know, how many computers does Apple sell? Like less than a dozen. Yep. And how many phones do they sell? Three. Like, really just, well, yeah, I guess. With, yeah. You know, the 3GS is still available. You know, they're not, they're, you know, and then look at Nokia. Like how many phones does Nokia sell? I don't even know. I bet well, it's um, yeah. over 50 at least. Or, you know, like Motorola, like they're, they're putting out, they're just, you know, tossing all this stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. And that is, you know, something might stick. We sports stuck. And it stuck yeah. really well. And it, it made a lot of money for them. But I, I don't know if they can repeat that success. And I, I don't, I don't, I, I guess uh, I, I, I am as of yet unconvinced and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens. But right now I'm not buying a Wii U at launch. I probably am because the system caters to someone who, like me, is interested in playing on the controller yeah. more often. Though I, I guess I should leave that caveat like, of I, I, I have yet to see the price, and that may change my mind. Like I think just just because of the of the the built-in screen on the controller, um, I'm excited about the console because I want to play video games that way. I'm mostly gaming on handhelds. I mentioned that a few times on 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 the show. So that makes me excited about getting the system. There's not any games announced yet. Um, you know, my favorite my favorite Nintendo console to date has been GameCube, which is a system where they basically did ports of like kind of kind of subpar ports of third party titles from other systems and fairly strong first party titles. They weren't trying to be clever clever or crazy or super innovative they just tried to make a good solid competitive product and it almost kind of seems like the wii is going down that route as well so it's possible that i could really enjoy this system even if it's not the success of the wii all right i guess i'll read our third question uh i guess i'm not sure if his name is e-man or emin but uh (laughs) i like uh, like e-man i'm gonna go with e-man so e-man E-Man says, uh, thinking back to Nintendo's Motion Plus showcase, Wii Sports Resort, uh, there was a giant world, Woohoo Island, that one could fly over and discover how all of the areas uh, the minigames took place in were connected with each other. Uh, you know, you could see the bowling alley as part of a small village in Woohoo Island, and bowling took place there, and there was a sword dueling arena, arena over part of the ocean. Uh, this got him. This got me thinking that Nintendo should make a world that one can fly over in Nintendo Land. It could be a large theme park containing different areas. In those areas, there could be a building or something uh, that contained the mini games. For example, there could be a mansion when you can go over to Luigi's area, uh, a warehouse for Donkey Kong's mini game, and this would allow you to really explore Nintendo Land uh, as opposed to you know just kind of picking things from a menu. I like this idea. I mean, I, I think it depends on how far they're going to really push the theme park analogy because what they've shown is just a plaza with me's walking around to gates. That's yeah. not a theme park. That's a really that's... poorly designed hub with mini games. And it's a very tiny little hub that's too busy. It's Main yeah. Street USA. Like, 
It's not the yeah. Magic Kingdom. It's just Main Street USA. There's no Adventureland. Yeah. There's no Tomorrowland. There's, it's just Main Street USA and then uh, a bunch of portals that take you to minigames. So, I mean, if, if they want to do that, that'd be great. In fact, if they had shown an actual theme park in, in Nintendo Land at the show, I think it might have actually gotten the reaction that they were hoping it would get. Yeah, that would be cool. When they spent so much time on it. But they didn't show a theme park. They showed minigames and, and a very small hub world with fireworks. It's not yeah. a theme park. The it's fireworks didn't menu. sell you on it? No. <laughs> Man, that was all I needed to see. <laughs> you know, I was waiting. I was waiting for a little while for like a Metroid teaser or you know a 3DS one more, Zelda. Yeah, but one more. All thing. I really needed. All I really needed was those fireworks. It, 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 I think the worst part about the fireworks was how they cruelly like cut away from the game for a second and then went back to the video feed to show you one more thing. I had heard that uh, someone had said on. I think it was. I think it was one of the guys on RFN had said apparently there were supposed to be streamers that dropped from the sky at that point. Like in oh. the in the auditorium, so I guess they cut away to the audience, thinking that the streamers would drop. Something went wrong, and the streamers didn't drop. So they had to think, "Oh no, what do we do?" And they just cut back to the video of the fireworks because wow. what else are they gonna do? <laughs> so I think it like you know they kind of sucked all the air out of the room when like there was supposed to be this big finale, and there was supposed to be like a pop, and then all these like streamers fall down, and it was all gonna be really exciting, and no, it didn't happen. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that would have fixed the problem, but it someone had said that a streamer fell on them during the conference. Okay. Okay. Like it just got loose and fell. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, they haven't made a theme park. They've made a menu. So, like they've they've made a, they've made a fan a slightly fancy looking menu. So if they yeah. want to actually build a theme park, I'd love to be able to fly around at like in Wii Sports Resort. I think that's or really you know cool. I mean they could do like uh, the Connect Disneyland game where they literally recreated all of Disneyland from the ground up and you could walk around it and you know you couldn't go into every building like Main Street was just Main Street and you could walk down it but it was there you know, they com- they completely recreated the park and then when you yeah. went to some, most of the rides were mini games yep that's what you know someone has done this they did it last year look at that go from there but they they don't look at their competitors mike they want to be different yeah yeah. Like if I was designing a Nintendo based theme park, there would be there'd be virtual ski ball. There would be a video <laughs> arcade with virtual console arcade games in the video arcade. Right. There there would be a ski lift to take you around the thing, or a sky lift I guess they're called. There would be there would be a whole bunch of rides. There would be the rides of course are the mini games, I guess. There would there, there would be things to go do. There'd be mini golf. There'd be a freaking water park or something. Like if you're gonna do a virtual theme park, then at least make it a damn theme park. You know, log into Nintendo Land at three o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a parade of all your favorite exactly. Nintendo characters. And you can walk around. Maybe they don't do voice chat to you know reduce the chances of obscenities, but they could have you know you could walk around with a whole bunch of other people's me's in real time. Like home on PlayStation Network, but with exactly. I mean, but, well, home has games in it, but they're very crude. But, but remove, but remove the the potential for awful communication, and just make it a cool place to look to look around while you walk around to mini games, and that'd be fine. Yeah, and then if I want, you know, let me pull up a menu and go to a mini game if I want. You know, don't make me walk halfway across the park just to play Donkey Kong's Fast Tilt and travel. Tumble or whatever. Yeah, just you know, like if if I if one I should be able to pull up a button and just put, pick something from a menu, sure. But if they're going to go whole hog with this theme park theme, it, it should be a real yeah. theme park, you know. Exactly. But, you know, give me give me Epcot Center. Don't give me 
the state fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> county fair? I'm not sure that was a state fair. What they showed was like a county fair in a small, small county. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into our listener mail section. Send us an email, connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, or go to the post on the website. There's a link to a form you can fill out if you don't have any other way to send email. <laughs> there's no there's no excuse. Even if you have failed an email to this, to this point, there's still a page on our website where you can just type words into a box and hit go, and you're set. You can even tweet it at us. Uh, we don't have a Twitter account for the site or for the show, but we do for the site. Tweet it at us, and we'll read your we'll read your tweets. We have a Facebook page. Post on our Facebook page, and we'll read that out. Yeah, we only have like thirty eight followers on our Facebook page. Oh, Join our Facebook page. It's uh, I think it's facebook.com slash nwr connectivity. I think so. Or just search for it on the little search the box because it's the only thing called nwr connectivity on Facebook. It's pretty easy to find. Oh, and review us on iTunes, but only if it's a good review. If not, then don't. Then don't. <laughs> Why are you listening? We're not interested in your honesty. We're interested in your praise. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for joining. We'll uh, we'll do this again soon. It's fun. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget you can send your listener mail questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Also, if you have the time, please rate and review us on iTunes. See you next week.